Ronananian. This 2006 Hummer came in, and it wouldn't shift out of park. It was stuck in gear. But it didn't do it whenever I saw the vehicle. The foulest stenches in the air. The funk of 40,000 years. And grisly goons from every tomb are closing to seal your doom. The Car Doctor. You can't even get internal combustion, people-driven vehicles to operate properly or be repaired properly because we can't get parts. And now you're going to tell me we're going to let cars loose on the population? You don't have to worry about terrorism. We're going to wipe ourselves out. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Taking calls and answering questions. Giving away a launch scan tool for sure this hour. We, uh, we got out of the first hour without doing it. Tom didn't give me the nod. He says um, he's going to do it this hour. We're going to go away the launch scan tool, the Millennium 70, courtesy of the folks at Launch, Launch Tech USA. A great little scan tool, 4-inch color screen, graphing mode and sensors and modes 1 through 10. Just a great little tool. Um, and uh, we're going to give that away this hour. And, uh, you know, we hope it's you. And uh, you have to call in to win it at 855-560-9900. Let's kick the garage doors wide open. Let's start off with Walt from Maui. Walter, what car are you working on this week? Aloha, Ron. How about a uh, 2001 Volkswagen? I hate to say that out loud because I know how you feel about them. Golf TDI uh, 1.7, uh, 1.9 liter diesel. Okay, what's going on with it? I got a uh, P1556 okay. uh, code, and I looked up some information on diagnosing it, but I'm not sure I understand how to do that. Uh, have you ever diagnosed one of those or know how? Yeah, what they're talking about is they're talking about 1556 is there's a concern that it lacks power. Does this vehicle lack power? It, on a, it, it has, yes. Okay, so, you know, they want you to look. You know, this is about, this is a turbocharged motor. It's they're concerned about the ducts leading up to the turbo and the air intake. All right. They want to make sure everything is sealed so that everything as far as air volume is accounted for and that the turbo can drive as hard as it could. I've seen more than a few more than a few failed turbochargers. Um, but that's a you know that's a three or four thousand dollar guess, so you've got to be sure. Yes. All right. Um, I've seen a few wastegate regulators go bad. I've seen vacuum hoses fall off at the wastegate. Uh, you know, so you know, there's a series of tests you've got to go through. Um, what sort of tooling do you have, Walter? Do you have a smoke machine? Do you've got a way to really go through and check the entire intake system for leaks? Well, I do have a homemade smoke machine that works real well. I got the directions off of. Uh YouTube site. Okay. I have a vacuum gauge, and of course, I have you know the electronic, the, uh, the you know a voltmeter. Okay, then you're equipped. All right. So you know the first thing I want you to do is check the entire intake system for leaks. All right. Okay. So uh, you know specifically, I want you to look around the turbocharger. You know, at the intercooler, I want you to look around the hoses, and I want you to look at all the clamps where you know it, it, the, the the tubes are clamped for the intake itself. Do you see any smoke? If you see smoke, that's okay. a leak. I don't care how small it is. It's got to be accounted for. All right? Okay. All right. I want you to take a look at the wastegate bypass. All right? You know, apply vacuum to it. Does it open and close? Does it open and close freely? 
I want you to check the vacuum pump. Does it put out you know available vacuum? It should it should be able to pull twenty eight to thirty inches of vacuum. Does it do that? Okay. All right. If it's got low well, my vacuum, vacuum gauge, measure that. Your vacuum gauge better measure that. Okay. Um, well, I actually meant my vacuum pump. Yeah, vacuum pump. What, what do you got? A little mighty vac vacuum pump. Yeah, somewhere a different brand, but yeah, it should. You know, stick the hose in your mouth and suck on it. Does it pull? Does it pull the needle up? If it, okay. You know, if it pulls the needle up, I got it, one. Of, I, I got one of those. Yeah, it's you know, if you if you can do that, then you know, guess what? It's 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 a vacuum gauge. Yeah, it works. All right. Got it. Uh, you know, and listen. Sometimes knowing how your tools work is, and I say this seriously, is is the most important part of the job. I'm thoroughly convinced that the majority of mechanics don't use their tools but up to 20 or 30% of their ability because they don't don't take the time or don't understand them. And I don't profess to understand... Without being a, without being a wise guy here, yeah. I'm still waiting for that video on the uh, electric probe, you know, my uh, uh, probe, you know, the, uh, electro, the electric one. What, did, what the hell they called? Uh, the power probe? Power probe. You were going to do a video on that for You me. know, I forgot all about that, Walter. I'll have to try <laughs> and remember the topic. That was last year. Yeah, I'll um, never bring it up again. Never bring it up again. Things change fast Because all the my good life, stuff Walter. you've done far exceeds that. Well, it's you know what you never know when that's coming around. Listen, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how busy I am, babe. All right. I purchased a new. I was just thinking about this the other day because I was looking at my power probe. It's funny you say that. I was looking at the power probe I've got hanging on the on the wall of the shop. I purchased from Snap on their brand new version of the power probe. Mm-hmm. Put it in the tool cabinet. It's probably been there ten months. Haven't even taken it out of the box yet. Haven't, well, have, you have my address. Haven't had, well, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're always trying, Walter. That's what I love about you, brother. Okay. Um, so I want I'm you old, to see, but I'm consistent. Well, that's right, and that's what counts. That's what pays in this world. Um, you know, can the vacuum pump pull 30 inches of vacuum? All right. Okay. Does the wastegate actuator, does it stick? And sometimes you got to look at those. You know, sometimes the rod will slide side to side or there's slop in the linkage. you got to think about it under all conditions. Under load, will it actually be able to pull the wastegate open? Will it be able to pull it closed? Um, you know, is there, is there a linkage issue? All right? Okay. Last step. Take the vacuum hose off to the wastegate. All right? Drive the okay. vehicle. That's the vehicle with no boost. No boost, no power. Reinstall the vacuum hose to the wastegate and apply, you know, put 30 inches of vacuum on it from the other side. The vehicle should have full boost and really be like a rocket ship. If there's not a night and day difference, then chances are you got a faulty turbo. Okay. It's, it's now, that simple. Would that indicate that the. Uh well, never mind. I, I answered my own question. I was looking at what side of the wastegate we were talking about. Right. Right, but you know what what you're doing is you're you're verifying, you know, this is this is functionality. All right? You know, air intake system, vacuum leak it, smoke it. You know, do you have correct vacuum out of the pump? Yes, okay. Does the wastegate look okay? Yes. You know, then it's vacuum hose off, drive the car. It should run like a base 1.9. Give it full boost. You better have boost, man. You've bypassed all the controls. Will, will the computer bi- put it in limp mode though? Nope. When I do shouldn't, that, shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't. Okay, all right. No. You should be able to run that vehicle in full boost, full boost mode. Um, these are okay. all, these are all pretty much the standard tests. Every way we see one, this is how we do it. All right. Not that we see a lot of these, but mm-hmm. you know we have in the past, and it's it's usually a turbo. All right, turbo and then the, turbo. Yeah, unfortunately, turbo and then the wastegate would be the second most common failure on those vehicles. 
I'm looking forward to a vacuum line, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, vacuum line <laughs> fell off or something. Just remember, just remember what VW stands for. I'm uh, afraid I do. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's the problem. All right, and uh, can I do a quick follow-up question? Yeah, you sure can. I need a. Uh, I, I have two torque wrenches, both Craftsman, uh, uh, inch pound and foot pound. Okay, I've had them for a while. Do I need to have them recalibra- recalibrated at some time? What's a while? Or if can I have them recalibrated? What's a while? Uh, a couple years, probably. Yeah, how, how how long do you think it really is? Ten years? Twenty years? No, five no, years. Five. Yeah. Yeah, let's go five. I mean, just for giggles. It's not expensive. I would send them out and get them calibrated just to see, you know, can they tell you how much they were out and, you know, how far and, and so forth. It's, there are uh, companies that do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's it's 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 also is it worthwhile? Um, I have I have both Snap-on and Mac torque wrenches. I actually have a Craftsman, too. Don't use it as often as I used to. But um, I've got, you know, I've probably got, I don't know, I've lost track. I've probably got eight or nine torque wrenches around the shop for different things. And I don't send the electronic ones out to get calibrated. They're self-calibrating, theoretically, and they always seem to be right on the money. The uh, mechanical one for, you know, hand-torquing tires, because we use one specifically to torque lug nuts, um, usually by the time it's ready to be calibrated, you know, I I like to calibrate my torque wrenches every two to three years. By then, Mm -hmm. it's usually worn out, and I throw it out and buy another one. And, uh, you know, but there are companies out there that can do it, yes. Yeah. So, I use mine more than most people, apparently, because uh, right. I, you know, well, I, I, ne- I would never put a tire back on without retorquing the lug nuts, but I use it on all the other stuff that there's torque settings for, but people I've talked to say, it's, you know, I'm anal retentive. Listen, I had, a, uh, I had an 08 Honda CRV, and then I got to go after I tell you this story. I had an 08 Honda CRV this week in the shop, 200,000 miles. Spark plugs two and three came right out, no problem. Spark plugs one and four? Uh, you know, a little bit of a religious moment. You know, the mechanic's prayer, oh, God, please, I've done everything right so far this week. Please <laughs> let this, you know, please let this penetrating oil work its way in there. I'm going to go to lunch, and hopefully when I come back, these spark plugs actually loosen up. Because I'm not sure what the name of the gorilla is that put these spark plugs in, you know, but let me tell you, these babies were tight. And got them to wiggle a little bit and back and forth and back and forth. and back. It was like being at the gym. It was like being a CrossFit. I got two workouts this week. All right? And long story short, I was able to get them out. When those spark plugs Never went, broke them, huh? Nah, I didn't break them. When those spark plugs went back in, brother, 13 foot-pounds right on the button. All right? I always do that. Yeah, and it just, you know what? I feel better. I can go to the customer and say, look, I got them out. Here's what happened. You know, because this is the first time they were bringing us the car. They had bought it used. And you know what? I don't care what other shops think, Walt. I don't care what other customers think. This is how I'm doing it. Um, that that same gorilla did the uh, injectors on this Volkswagen my right. daughter bought. So. Right. You know, auto re- I, and I knew I was going to break them getting them out, but I did get them out and clean them. Re- remember this, brother. Auto repair is having courage of conviction. It's a lot like life. When you're sure you're right, go ahead and don't worry about what the other guy thinks as long as you're right. You just got to be right. Okay, so, you ever going to give away a Launch 90? Uh, that's coming up next. That's okay, after, well, I'm that's after, call back. That's after the 70. <laughs> so, okay. Um, that's after the 70. So be nice to Tom. Okay, I'm going to call I'm, back for the drawing. Yeah, I'm not sure what Tom's using for a formula here, but uh, <laughs> I, I think if you tell him, you know, tell him nice things and just tell him some lies. He's not very bright. He'll fall for it. I've tried all that. How much money does he have in his wallet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. oh wait, wait, uh, Tony wants to know how much money do you have in your wallet, Walter? Yeah, but that's in really not, wallet? that's not giving it away. 
I know. In my wallet. We're trying to make a profit here. Uh, we're trying to make a profit. <laughs> three bucks, would three uh, bucks help? Uh, well. Say goodbye, Walt. Say goodbye, Walt. I think they're going to turn you off now, Walter. You know, listen. I've been there. Thank I, you very much, Ron. You're very welcome, Walter. You have a good rest of the afternoon. 855-560-9900. We're coming back right after this. Car Doctor, thanks for joining us this hour. Let's get over to Derek, Columbus, Ohio, 03 Ford F-150. Derek, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, taking my call, Ron. You're I welcome. appreciate it. What's going on? Uh, basically, I think I changed the thermostat in my Ford uh, last week, and it didn't fix the problem. But what happens is it's, it's sort of random, uh, but it occurs more after I've ran the truck for like 30 minutes. I'll, I'll turn the car off. It'll be hot. I'll get back in to start it to go somewhere else, and the heat gauge will spike all the way to red, and then it'll kind of just, like, coast back down over the next minutes, two minutes. And so the first thing I thought was, like, a sticking thermostat or something in that regard, but I wasn't sure where to look next. Or Do you – any check engine light on? Derek? No, that's the thing. I, I haven't uh, ran any codes. I don't have a code reader, but I, I, I haven't had any lights on on my engine. Okay. Or on the dash, I mean. Do, do you have a temperature gauge or a temperature light? Uh, it's a it's a gauge, so I think it's mechanical. Okay, it's, well, it's it's, a, it's, it's electrical. You've got the factory gauge, and and oh, yeah. where does the gauge go? Does the gauge get up into the red, or are you seeing steam from out from under the hood? I'm not seeing any steam. I'm, I'm not thinking that the motor is actually overheating. The gauge just goes like right to the very edge of red, and then it'll sort of just tick down over the next minute or two. So and then it goes back to like a normal. So in other words, it changes too fast to be real. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I know you're uh, saying with new has never ever uh, worked, but uh, I wasn't sure if I should get another thermostat or. No, I don't think no. so. Um, let me just get this right, or let me say it like this. So you might be driving down the road 30 miles an hour, and the temperature is right in the normal range, and then all of a sudden it'll just spike up and hit the red, and then come right back down to normal within a minute time period, two minute time period. Yeah, it's done that once or twice, but it more often happens, like, I'll I'll drive somewhere for, like, I'll drive to work, it takes me, like, 10 minutes, I'll shut the car off, and then, like, five minutes later, once the, when the motor's still a little bit warm, I'll turn the car back on, and that's when it'll happen most often. It, uh, it's after I've driven, then stopped, and then turned the car back on. So that, so that when you start it back, when you start it back up, the, the gauge tends to spike high and then come down to a normal reading? Yes, sir. Okay. Could be, you know, I don't think it's a thermostat, all right? It doesn't sound like a thermostat from your description, all right? Obviously, it would be nice to take a take a temp gun or, a, um, you know, something that would show a thermal imager and, you know, show me temperature of the hoses and engine block and do we have good circulation and so on. But it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a traditional overheat stuck thermostat problem. It, it almost sounds like it's changing too fast to be real. What's very common on the Fords, all right, is the cylinder head temp sensor, all right? Cylinder head temp sensor, and you'll you'll see fault codes in there, 1285, 1299, all right? It'll, it'll set faults um, uh, for the codes, for the for the sensor itself or for overheat as a result because they're always concerned about it with OBD2. And I'll tell you what, Tom, 
Uh, yeah, I agree. Tom Tom just gave me the high side. You know what, Derek? We're going to solve your, your, your no-scan tool problem. All right, we're going to be sending you out the Millennium 70 from the folks at launch, launchtechusa.com. So, you know. Scan it, it, tool. Yeah, we've got to get Tony in there. Tony's got to get his scan tool. Tony gets paid every time they say that. Did you know that? Yeah, every time he says that, he gets a dollar three eighty. Scan tool. Yeah, now we're going to run this all the rest of the show. That'll fill up the rest of the hour. Um, now, now Tony's got three dollars. He can have a he can have a, a a cheeseburger for dinner. So one more time, Tony, give it to us one more time. Tom? Scan tool. Yeah, there you well, go. I greatly I greatly appreciate it, sir. So yeah, no, that uh, let's see if you can put that to some good use. All right, and first thing you should get in the habit of doing, you know, is you want to do a complete system scan. All right, or scan the OBD two right. faults. What am I saying? This is an OBD two scanner. Scan the OBD two faults. Look at pending and look at current. Does it have anything? All right, do a little reading about mode six. Mode six. Uh-huh is the way a scan tool looks at a vehicle computer to decide is it about to set a fault or actually i said that wrong mode 6 is the is the section of the vehicle's computer software where it's deciding is is this problem about to become a fault the scan tool reads mode 6 all right and right. you know in the sense that if derek wakes up tomorrow with sniffles and, a, and 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 cold feet his brain says hey you don't feel well by tuesday derek's sick it's 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 sort of the same thing um learn a little bit about mode six look at pending and current fault codes look at the coolant temp while you're driving what does the computer see you should be able to bring up cylinder head temp sensor as a separate pit all right or piece of information okay and you may find on this truck that there is no actual coolant temp sensor reading that they measure and calculate coolant temp sensor off the cylinder head temp sensor. And if that's the case, watch it. If you see the cylinder head temp sensor go to 260 degrees in the blink of an eye and then come back down, that's changing too fast to be real. All right. And you may want to do further testing on that sensor, verify power, verify ground, make sure that everything is in good working order there and then change the sensor itself. All right. Stay on the line, Derek, and let Tom get your information out of Columbus, Ohio. We'll get that scan tool on its way out to you and uh, put, let you put it to some good use. And, uh, you know, let us know if you need anything else. We're glad to hear, be here to help you and, and so forth. So, hey, coming up next, Robert McBride from All Data. You know, the uh, Vegas trade show is coming up next week. And uh, the folks from All Data are going to be out there at the Apex, uh, talk, talking to everybody about their new stuff. Well, they're going to be here to first talk about their new stuff. That's coming up next on The Car Doctor. I'm Ron Anian. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron Anian, The Car Doctor, here at 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. You know, for a lot of us, the holiday season and gift-giving and exciting things happen, you know, after December 1st. For mechanics, it's that last weekend of October, first week of November, when we get out to Vegas and we see what's going on, what's new in the industry, and all the things that the, the, the companies are bringing out to help us solve the battle and the ongoing fight to repair cars. And we thought we would reach out to one of the premier companies out there, All Data. They are an information service provider, and they're branching out into a few other things. We're going to talk about that in this conversation with Robert McBride. He's here joining us this hour, and we're glad to have him. Robert, welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, great for having me. Thank you. Um, uh, Vegas is next week. 
Vegas trade show. Um, I can talk about some of the things I've seen you guys do. I'm using them in the shop, the interactive wiring diagrams. Boy, is that a great idea. And I'm probably not even using them to their full potential. Can you describe them for the listeners? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've uh, we've always had uh, the manufacturer's uh, wiring diagrams. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we've seen that we lacked as we talked to our customers is is the ability to uh, to interact with them, to be able to do things like highlight uh, some of the, the – uh, uh, the the circuits and be able to see them in a way that uh, that the way that users use them. So really, what we've done is we've taken it so that you don't have to print out each diagram and highlight them and tape them together. Things we've seen in shops, and we said, look, we can put these things side to side, and you can highlight uh, you can highlight wires across multiple images, and you can view them, you can zoom them, you can uh, you can actually search for information that's on those diagrams. So we just want to make them a whole lot easier than we've ever had before. On top of the fact that it's just they're all standardized, so if you can read them or say. One, you can read a Toyota one, you can read a Honda one, and they, they really do complement our OE diagrams as well. So, again, we're just trying to give our customers what they want. Let me, let me tell you how good information systems have gotten, and, and partly it's because the cars have gotten better. I had to work on a 97 Ranger at the beginning of the week, and I had to pull fault codes out of the ABS system 20 years ago, 20 year ago technology. Finding the information was a chore. You fast forward that to a 2007 or a 2012 or a 2015, and the information is right there, and it just makes you realize how valuable and how much you guys have learned in, in, in putting the information out there and how much better it is in the way it's presented. I, I start to look at the wiring diagrams, and I was using one of the interactive diagrams the other day working on something, and you're right. You know, I was looking at three specific wires from sensor to BCM, and I wanted to see that the... the the um, you know connections in between, dink dink dink. It lights up those three wires, and I followed it all. There was there was six sub diagrams, I guess is the best way to say it, and it lit it up yeah. across all six, and you could pick out just what you wanted to see. It was really amazing, um, you know. But you've also it's still in there. I'm still seeing some. You know, you still have the wiring diagrams the OE way too, don't you? Yeah, we do, and we think it's important to have those. You know, they, they're written by the engineers, and they're the ones that have all the splice points and all the connections, and and they have the symbols that you're normal, you know, that you're used to if you're working on on specific cars. And we want to make sure those were in there. Yeah. So we want to make sure that our customers have choice. Yeah. It, it's it, it it seems that you've put a lot of effort, resources, translate that dollars, into wiring diagrams. They are the roadmap of the future of car repair, aren't they? I absolutely, they are. I mean, it, I mean, we're saying seventy, eighty percent of all. Basic diagnostics are requiring those, so absolutely wanted to put our energy into that. Yeah, you really have. Um, talk about the scan tool. I was I was surprised. I read about it for the first time this week. All data has their own diagnostic scan tool now, as I understand it. Yep, absolutely. So, so about four years ago, we 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 went out with our very first uh, what we call scan tool, but it was a basic scan tool. You could pull basic P, uh, P codes and diagnostic codes, but but really it was just emission type codes. And and what we realized obviously is is that as you're diagnosing some of these complex cars now, you have to have a tool that does everything. So and and we wanted more than just the tools that are out there. And there's a lot of great tools out there, but what they all seem to be missing is. The, the ability to actually integrate the, the information you need to fix the car and diagnose the car along with being able to pull the information off the car. So we developed a tool that fits right on top of your, of, of your of a tablet, connects directly to your car, and not only can you pull all the information you would normally pull off of a, of a, a professional scan tool, but you can take a code, and as soon as you have a code, you go see what the, the diagnostic procedure is for that and the repair procedure and all the other information you need to go fix and diagnose that car. So we've done something we think fairly unique, and we, we, we'd love to be able to 
uh, get some feedback at the show for that. So, so you're basically, you know, I I go up to a 2007 Chevy Impala and I get a P0128 out of the scan tool. The scan tool then takes that information, puts it into my old data desktop application or maybe my mobile application if I'm doing this with a mobile tablet, and it will do the lookup for me. Is is what you're saying? Yeah, actually, it'll show you the code. It'll show you the name, the title of the code right there. You click on a button that show, uh, on the code, and it takes you right to the, art, the OE article that tells you what that code is and, the, and takes to the diagnostic tree for that. And from there, you can go right to repair procedures and test procedures as well. Man, make, so it's really like you know, one click away. Yeah. Make, makes a lot of sense. You got, you're, you're doing the work in the background, making it easier for the mechanic. That, 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 really yep. does, that really does make a lot of sense. Um, talk about your experience-based platform. You guys have really created a great all-data community, mechanics contributing information and then verifying those repairs. Uh, you know, how far along is that now? And I think that's something new you're going to talk about also in Vegas, correct? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, our, our new, our latest repair and collision update include uh, what we call experience-based solutions. So we know OE is absolutely important, and we'll always be that. That'll be king of, of our data. But the reality is we've got 250,000 technicians using our products every day. Now we're going to have some of them using our scan tools. We know they're diagnosing, vehicle, diagnosing vehicles on a regular basis. We've got a whole team of master techs. We're going to have 60 come by the, by the end of December whose job it is to be able to ha- uh, answer questions and help customers. And we said, what's the best thing we do is share what we learn with the rest of our customers. So what we're doing with that information is now in our repair update. So if you go search for a P code or if you go look for a symptom, you can start finding uh, what our customers are telling us help fix their cars. And it's just, it's just again, moves, that, moves it a little bit faster to diagnose those cars, making it easy. What do you think, which side of the business is bigger, Robert? The, the collision side or the mechanical side? It used to be years ago there was a clear line. You know, there was a, there was a definition line that said, here, this is a mechanical repair. This is a collision repair. Are the two starting to merge now where you need technology from both sides more than ever? I think you do need uh, technology from both sides. I would say for, from our business, repairs, uh, our repair side and mechanical side has always been the biggest. That's the biggest size of, you know, the biggest number of shops out there and everything. But but the reality is is that, that there's a whole lot of overlap, right? The collision shops, a lot more have to do collision work. I mean, there's a huge, huge amount of, of uh, talk right now around scan tools in, in the collision market. That's part of who we're targeting with our scan tool as well. You know, they want to be able to pre-scan it, find out what's going on with the car when it, when it, when it came into the shop, find out what's wrong, make sure they're covered when it sent, goes out the door make sure those codes are clear. So we see a lot of overlap between not only what, especially in the diagnostic world and on the mechanical repairs, because, you know, you don't just come in and fix a fender when, when somebody comes in. You're coming to fix the fender, but you may have to put a new, new, uh, a new alternator. You may have to put other parts in the car that are mechanical, and the collision guys want that business. Uh, well, yeah, and what, what, what kind of got me thinking about this was just yesterday I had a 2011 Dodge Caravan. I had to put a parking light bulb in the right front headlamp. To do that, I had to take the headlamp out. To take the headlamp Absolutely. out, I had to take the bumper off, and it yeah. was really great because I looked, I, I looked in my my all data online, and and there it was. You know, I wasn't happy that it said take the bumper off, but at least I knew what I was dealing with. And then you very clearly yeah. gave me, you know, here's the bolt, here's where everything is, and here's how it laid out. And it made me think about that. That yeah, the collision side of the business is now more involved with the mechanical side because we're doing body shop things, so to speak, to do the mechanical repairs. Um, you know, and it just it's you're developing that all along uh, collision advantage. Do you see the day or is the day here where you've developed, you know, full crash manuals and estimating guides? Does that exist in the world of all data yet? 
Well, I mean, we, we have, uh, to be honest, again, we're, we, we focus on the manufacturer's information. So we are the only provider right now that has all the collision information from our from, that, that come from the collision guides from the manufacturers. So when you talk about our collision product, it's basically our mechanic pro, mechanical product, plus you get all the collision manuals as well that come from our manufacturer. So that I think the day's already here for that. Right. Um, we talked about, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Do you think what does the future look like? Where are we where are we going? Where are we going to be next year, five years from now? Uh, you know, is 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 there going to be an information issue um, coming down the pike? Do you have any information privy to that? That you know, you see the manufacturers are getting uh, are they more cooperative, less cooperative, or do they realize the value of having people outside the dealership working on their cars? I think it's a great question. I think, you know, there's a whole lot of things. One, one, they're obviously making cars more complex, which is always going to make it hard if you, unless you've got really good qualified techs to work on shops. So they may not, they may do it a different way. They may not be on information. We're, we're not seeing challenges with, informa- with information. We have a great relationship with all of our manufacturers. Um, and the reality is, is that, you know, there's a right to repair act in multiple states and everybody's just kind of following that right now. Right. So we're not having a hard time getting information, but how you show that information matters to us, right? Is it easy to find? How does it integrate with the other? things you're doing that's going to be a big deal but over the next five years we think it's going to be a lot more of car connectivity what's the car going to be able to tell you you're going to have to diagnose things you know uh with the with the, with the scan tool you know you, you mentioned the headlight thing the other day and, and and we've got a local master tech who was doing some work uh and and had to not only do everything you just described with the bumper but also had to put plug a scan tool in to actually calibrate that that uh that uh, the sensors on that headlight, right? So required it to say, okay, this thing has this thing has four different sensors on it. I've got to go plug my scan tool and calibrate it for that particular vehicle. So we see a lot more car connectivity in the future, a lot more coming directly off the car, so we can help diagnose it. And they've done a pretty good job over the last few years. I think that's going to continue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to grow and grow and grow. And it's nice to see you guys. I really, I appreciate, and I know a lot of guys appreciate the efforts you guys do because um, this is a labor of love. It's a job, but you know what? There's a lot of cre- creative people at all data that do a heck of a job every day. I've, I've pointed out some things. Hey, we need to change this. We need to change that. You know, it's refreshing because they actually listen to you. And, uh, you know, you guys do respond. You guys do have a passion for this. And obviously by just hearing, you know, your enthusiasm here today, um, everybody can tell that. Uh, real quick, what's the booth number? Where are you going to be out there in Vegas? What's the booth? We are going to be in. Uh, we're going to be at SEMA this year, right. um, and uh, I'll give you that. Bear with me two seconds. So uh, where we're going to be is in uh, booth number. Let's see what it is. It's booth uh, number ten six thirty one in the North Hall. Ten six thirty one in the North Hall. Cool beans. All right, listen. Yeah. You uh, you guys have a good trade show. Say hello to Kevin and everybody else out there, and uh, maybe we'll get out there next year and see you then. Appreciate you having right. me. Appreciate Thanks, the Ryan. kind words today. Thank You're you, very Ryan. welcome. You're Bye. very welcome, sir. Good luck. Take good care. Oh, you know what? I meant to ask him the website. I think it's, um, we'll have to look it up. We'll talk about it after the break. We'll get that out there, too. But uh, all that, great company. Just Google it, and you'll find it. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anany in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to Bruce in Louisville, Kentucky. 99 Toyota Camry and some Tommy Ball questions. Bruce, you're on with The Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey, good afternoon, Ron. How are you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Hey, I got a 1999 Toyota Camry, 214,000 miles, uh, 2.2 engine. Uh, I got a little bit of a uh, like a timing belt slap or whatever when you start the engine when it's cold. Okay. Once it warm, once it warms up a little bit, the slap goes away, and then as long as the engine's warm most of the day, it doesn't. Uh, 
you know, doesn't make that noise. And I did a little bit of research, and it seemed to be a common problem. And one of my uh, coworkers was saying, you know, that you should go in there and retention the timing belt. And I thought, well, if if I'm going to do that much work, I mean, I know how to know what to do. Uh, I work on fire trucks for a living, so um, I figured I might as well just go in there and change it all. Well, how old's and, how, how old's the belt, Bruce? How long has it been in there? I, I've had this car for almost three years now, and it was supposed to have been done uh, before I bought it. So, and how many miles? Uh, ago, how many miles ago was that? Sixty thousand, eighty thousand? Oh. About twenty five thousand okay. miles ago, something like that. So, 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 what it really kind of comes down to is, all right, because in all the four cylinder Toyota timing belts I've ever done, knock wood, I've never really had one loosen up. That can happen. It's just you know, it's it's just maybe it's just the method the way I do it. But if the belt loosened up, I would just be curious to take it apart and see what else, if anything, you know, did they do just a belt? Did they do a water pump? Did they do the roller? Did they you know did they change any other parts or was it strictly a belt? And then what's the quality level of the belt that they use? Did they use the cheapest thing they could find or did they use a good quality part? And you know, those are yeah, you can just you know, like you say, retention the belt. But, you know, why did it stretch out that much in the first place, especially in just 25,000 miles? Was it improperly installed the first time around? So I think I've got to go with if the answer is what do you if the question is, what do you do? I think the answer is really you've got to take the covers off and take a look at everything. And, you know, keep in mind that I'm sure you're aware of this, working on fire trucks, that everything is a system and a component of itself. So did they do a timing belt with a water pump? Did they do the tensioner? Did they do the spring? You know, what did they do? And then make a decision from there. Think of it like this. Replacing all the components now, knowing you're doing it and you're going to do it okay right, for lack of a better way to say it, might be the better way and the cheaper solution than having the belt break cause a problem down the road and you're stuck on the side of the road at the least opportune time. So give that a shot. If you got any other questions, shoot me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I'll do my best to answer them. i got to go. I'm running a little late this segment, and I appreciate the call. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor. Let's real quick get into it. Talk to Philip in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Philip, i got two minutes. What's going on? Well, I've got an 08 uh, GMC Acadia that uh, has a transmission shutter in the lower gears. It's almost like it's prematurely shifting. Okay. I'm wondering if it's a programming issue or It or could what. be. Um, so naturally, the first thing we're going to do is scan codes. All right. Do we have any there? Um, do, no. we ha- do we have any pending? All right. And, and, and when I say scan codes, either OBD2 or manufacturer specific, and in a case like this, I would want to do both because I just want to cover the bases and the range that GM may see something that OBD2 doesn't, and I just want to make sure, sure. I'm not dealing with any faults. So then I'm down to, okay, I've got mechanical issues, all right? Um, I would want to take a scan tool. Is this shutter converter on, converter off? Any specific gears? When exactly and how does this happen? Okay. I mean, that's a that's a question to you. That's something for the technician to think about. The other thing to be aware of is there is at least two reflashes I'm aware of for this particular trans. 
um, as you say, a programming change. There are two software updates that came out, and there's probably more by now. But, yes, this could also be related to software changes to do a flash update to change the operating characteristics of the trans. Last, last comment. If this comes out to be that it is a physically bad torque converter, which would not be unusual, there are some anti-slip products on the market. Get out to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask them, what do you have for a shuttering torque converter? See what they might have and ask them, does it work? Most of, their, most of them do, but just verify it, and that is another cheaper alternative rather than replacing the entire trans for the converter itself. I'm running a car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Everyone!